Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. In this edition, it is part one of the best of 2021 in horror. Now, the best of 2021 will only focus on horror. So you won't be getting any wrestling news or anything next couple of episodes. In fact, I'm going to keep this segment short because... This is a long show. This is the most difficult show to produce every year on the podcast. Because I'm recording segment after segment after segment. For those who don't know what the Horror Whammies and the Horror Show Awards are, the Horror Whammies is pretty much the dishonorable mentions, the worst of the worst. Like, worst film, worst performances, worst idea, in other categories. And the Horror Show Awards focuses more on the best. Like, best editing, best performances, best documentary. This episode usually starts off with the horror whammies. As I want to get the dishonorable mentions out of the way first. Because you want the worst out of the way before we can talk about the best of. Then once the horror whammies and horror show awards are done, I'll be back with what's Anthony T watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'll be back with the 2021 horror whammies. Besides Anthony T's horror show, you can also listen to these other fine podcasts on the Doc Discussions Network. Doc Discussions, hosted by Philip Perrone and Michael Darwin. You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. Halloween Boutique, Psychotronic Reviews. And Searching for American Gods. You can find Doc Discussions on the web at www.docdiscussions.com and Doc Discussions is also available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Welcome to 2021 Horror Whammies. Now, this is a look back at the year 2021. And most specifically, a look back at some of the worst of 2021. Some of the films where I just cringed to myself, why did I waste my time? Or why the hell did they do this? Or somebody coming up with some really great idea, when in all honesty, it looks like a very bad idea. But we first start off with the most disappointing film. In 2020, I had The New Mutants. That was a very disappointing film. 2021, the winner of the horror whammy for most disappointing film. And it's going to shock a lot of people. And I'm going to explain why. Halloween Kills. Now, going into 2021... I was expecting a great Halloween sequel. And for the first 10 minutes of this film, it was a great Halloween sequel. The whole 1978 flashback scene was perfect. Unfortunately, the rest of the film was good. I had a good time with this film. I gave this film four stars. 
Now, here's why I'm giving this film most disappointing film. It has to do with the middle part of Halloween Kills, where they spend way too much time at the hospital. And this whole subplot with the second escape mental patient, which did not belong in this film at all. And the fact that the whole town of Haddonsfield, spoiler alert, goes after a mentally ill patient. Who isn't Michael Myers? It's like they, David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, and the other screenwriters, I think, spent too much time trying to make a statement. I was for the mob mentality thing. Don't get me wrong. But when it goes and you add another character that moves all your characters to that other character, while the main character, your main villain, Michael Myers, is being completely ignored, all to make some sort of statement. But I don't know what David Gordon Green was going on with his whole mob mentality after the mentally ill patient who wasn't Michael Myers. It's like, as someone who has mental illness, I was not a fan of this plotline, quite frankly. It felt like this is how society works. We all go after the person who's mentally ill, not the person who's bad or evil. That's what it felt like to me. And that's why I kind of did not like this mob mentality with this subplot with the second escape mental patient. It got away from this film in a hurry, and then it just went in a totally different direction to the point where we were like 20, 30 minutes left in the film, and we really had to rush to the Myers house. Instead of building the time to getting to the Myers house, they literally rushed their way to the Myers house. While they spent way too much time on that second mental patient. This film did not need a second mental patient. It's like it pretty much slowed this film down, first of all. And second of all, it was David Gordon Green trying to make a political statement. And this is what it felt like. Seriously. I want to be entertained when I watch horror films. I don't want to watch horror films than have political messaging in it. I don't need to see this in my horror films. I just want the good guys going after the bad guys. That's it. Have some fun. But this film took itself way too seriously. To the point that we really had to rush to the Myers house. Because that film also felt very rushed, too. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be negative on this. Because the kill scenes in this film are great. But the whole thing with that mental escape patient cost this film a star. Because I was angry about the way they handled that subplot. And that subplot did not need to be in this film, quite frankly. If they done it right, maybe. But it got way too out of control to the point that this did not feel like a Halloween film. And this film had some really brutal kill scenes that were very effective scenes. But if you're going to do scenes that just take over the film and try to be over preachy, I'm going to take a star off. There's no need for political messaging in a Michael Myers film. I'm sorry. We move on. 
to why did I watch this film when I knew this was going to be bad. Last year's winner was Glenn Danzig's Veronica. We all know how many horror that film took. The horror for why did I watch this film when I knew this was going to be bad is Shook. Now, this was released by Shudder on a streaming service in 2021. This was a very bad film. And I should have known it by the trailer where there was just too many annoying characters in that trailer. But I thought to myself, this might be a good film because it deals with technology. I thought it would be something like Unfriended, like a slasher version of that kind. Boy, was I wrong. This was filled with annoying characters. A very predictable killer. It's like there was nobody to like in this film. This is a film filled with a bunch of annoying characters. This is a film that got one star too. It's just this was an annoying film to watch. Thankfully I did not have to pay a dime for it since I have the Shutter streaming service. But still it is just such a bad film. I don't know why Shutter picked this film up. Because I'm still trying to figure that one out. Why Shudder would release this film. And not some other film that probably could be better than Shook. As this is one of four films that got one star this year. That's another huge accomplishment for the year 2021. As I usually get at least four films that end up with one star. Last year I had four films with one star. This year I had four films with one star. Shook is just one of four films with one star. Next category. Worst sequel, adaptation, or remake. Last year was The New Mutants. The horror whammy for worst sequel, remake, or adaptation is Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. Well, this is a film that was sort of this hybrid found footage. I don't know what this film was, quite frankly. Seriously. Because I know they tried to do something different with this film, but it failed miserably. This is probably the worst paranormal activity film. It really made me think that this franchise jumped the shock. And if that, and I will go into that in, in a minute, why this franchise jumped the shock. But this film was, I think, was Uninteresting for most of this film. I thought the main characters were uninteresting. There were a good couple of suspenseful moments. But this film really lacks a lot of action. And the last 15 minutes of this film are just so out there. It's like, what the hell? This is not a paranormal activity film. That's what it felt. It felt like a normal, run-of-the-mill horror film. Seriously. It's like people going after each other. It was just like chaotic. And why don't we just jump to the next category too. So we can continue to talk more about this chaotic ending of this film. Worst scene or scenes. Last year I had any scene in Glenn Danzig's Veronica. This year, the 2021 horror whammy for worst scene or scenes go to the last 15 minutes of Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. I don't 
can't describe what the last 15 minutes of Next to Kin was, quite frankly. It's like everybody chasing after each other. It's like, this one went bonkers. And this is not what I expected a paranormal activity film. People going after each other. Spoiler alert. This is really the first moment to why I question myself. Why do I watch found footage films? Quite frankly. Because that's when this film exits the found footage format and goes into something chaotic. Which is like, why did they do that? Seriously. I know they want to do something different, but this is just jumping the shock. Because I don't expect this bonkers ending in a paranormal activity film where people literally are beating up people, this, that. It was just crazy. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I think the paranormal activity franchise is dead after next to Ken. Please, I really do not want to see another paranormal activity film. Especially if they're going to do this half-found footage, half-live-action hybrid. Because that did not work. And it really showed in its film's ending. Because it just was too chaotic. And it literally jumped the shock. It was one of those moments where I was embarrassed to be a horror fan this year. The next category, Worst Idea of the Year. Last year, it was Scream 5 being titled Scream. Well, it finally hit theaters this year. It took a whole year, but it finally hit theaters this year. And the 2021 Horror Whammy for Worst Idea of the Year goes to David Gordon Green announcing that Halloween Ends will take place four years after Halloween Kills. Yeah, that is a bad idea. Seriously. I had face palms when I heard this news. We're doing a four-year time jump from Halloween Kills to Halloween Ends. It's like, what the hell? Seriously, we're now dragging the story out four years. You lose all momentum you had with Halloween Kills, with Halloween Ends. I don't get it. And now we're going to add a four-year time jump after the end of Halloween Kills. I'm telling you right now, Michael Myers is becoming a supernatural character again. I know David Gordon Green started out wanting Michael Myers to be this grounded human character, void of any empathy. But we're getting to the point now where he's a supernatural character again. And there'll probably be some theory to why he continues to do this. Because Michael Myers should be in his 70s, quite frankly, when Halloween Ends comes out. I don't know why they would go and lose the momentum of Halloween Kills. And just do a four-year time jump. It just boggles my mind why someone would do this. Seriously. Because quite frankly, as the first one was great, I don't think this is going to do the franchise good. I'm telling you that right now. As we're going back to the supernatural elements of the franchise. And please, I do not need to see the cult of Thorn in the next film. Seriously. If that's... In Halloween Ends, I'm just going to lose my mind. Not in a good way. We move on to Worst Editing. Last year was 
Glendan Six Veronica, the 2021 horror whammy for worst editing goes to Godzilla vs. Kong. This was a mess of a film, quite frankly. This felt like two different films, both not edited well. It felt like it was like nonstop action completely. It's like, like this big roller coaster Hollywood type big budget. You get on the roller coaster where a lot of chaotic things happening, and you have a fun time on the ride. Have that times two. This film felt like it was rushing to the action scene so quickly, you don't even have time to get to know the characters. And the way this film was edited was bad. It felt like somebody was in the editing room and felt like we needed action almost every second of this film film. The action is just too chaotic. It just goes on way too long, quite frankly. I don't know if that's purpose or not, but there are a lot of overdrawn action scenes in this film that could have been trimmed down. It's like this film needed an editor, and it didn't add any suspense. It just like felt, I was felt like I was on this roller coaster ride, and it just like Went on and on and on. Here's one set of action. You know what? We're going to edit another, edit into another set of action that's going on from another place. It's like there's no room for no development of anything. The action felt too chaotic. It's like, I don't get why these Godzilla films have to always have bad editing. Why it always has to have this complete long extended action sequences where you could trim down some of it but you don't because you just want action all the time and i felt like it was action times two because you had two subplots and it's like there's no room for development it's like here we go to team godzilla then to team kong team godzilla team kong i don't get it seriously I couldn't stand the editing for this film. It felt like I was watching a Twilight film, quite frankly. You have Team Godzilla, Team Kong. That's what this film felt like. I don't get that. It's bad editing. It's like, why can't I have some time with Team Kong then some time with Team Godzilla? Instead, it's like back and forth. Like every five minutes or so. Enough of Godzilla versus Kong. I'm sick of talking about these Godzilla films on this podcast, quite frankly. Because none of them seem to really be good anyway. Let's face it. We move on to Worst Screenplay. Last year, I had Glenn Danzig's Veronica as Worst Screenplay. The 2021 horror whammy for Worst Screenplay goes to Dead and Beautiful, a screenplay written by David Verbeek and Hugh Travers. Now, this screenplay was very bad. Seriously. Now, I'm a fan of vampire films here. In... A vampire film, I like to have a vampire film that has a lot of bite to it. Dead and Beautiful does not have a lot of bite to it. In fact, I was literally bored watching this film. This 98-minute vampire film could have been two and a half hours because that's what this film literally felt like. And most of that had to do with the screenplay. Verbeek and Travis don't do anything to keep your interest, or my interest for that matter, because this was 
quite a horrible film from start to finish. It felt like a film filled with spoiled rich kids who are boring, who have no life, no personality. And the fact that the action also felt very boring too. It's like this whole film felt like I was watching paint dry. And this screenplay really was most of the reason why. There's not much action in this film. The characters are all one-dimensional. And it really just was so uninteresting. It was so hard to sit through. I was surprised I got through this film, quite frankly. Because this is probably one of the worst vampire films ever made. The only type of people that would like this film, I think, would be Twilight fans. That's it. And that twist ending at the end of this film made me scream because literally it made no sense with what was going on with this film because everything felt flat. I have more to say about this film. Moving on. Worst Actress. Last year I had Alice Braga for The New Mutants. This year, the 2021 horror whammy for Worst Actress goes to Anna Machenko for Dead and Beautiful. Yes, the parade for Dead and Beautiful continues because this film was so horrible. And another component of why this film was so horrible and bad to watch was the acting in this film. And I did not like Anna Machenko's performance here. If there was a flat character in this film that felt like it was just one-dimensional completely throughout, who felt like the performance was just, like, dull, that was the performance that felt the most dullest in the whole film, literally. Because seriously, it's like she just plays this one note. I'm sitting there bored by the performance. I w was hoping for some more personality to the character, but we never see any personality to the character at all. And it's just, I know it's a supporting character, but still, every time she was on screen, it just dragged. It literally felt like the air was out of the room watching the scenes that Machenko were, was in. Quite frankly, I know it's our first film, but I wish there was better coaching, better direction, because that performance literally put me to sleep. I was not engaged for a supporting performance, did nothing to help this film. It just continued to drag this film down. It is not the worst performance in the film, because now we are moving on to worst Actor. Last year, I had Kevin James for Becky. That's right, Kevin James. That's what his performance in Becky felt like. Him whispering his performance. And it was just dreadful to see, seriously. But anyway, let's get back to 2021. The 2021 Whammy for Worst Actor goes to Hedge Blum for Dead and Beautiful. If I pronounce the name wrong, I apologize. That's a hard name to pronounce. His performance as the lead hero did not feel like a performance from a lead hero. It felt very dreadful. 
His character, like, was so dark. It's not a hero I could get with. Seriously. And quite frankly, he falls into the trap that many of the actors in this film fell into. Is the fact that they play their characters one-dimensional. Because they are either told to do it or don't even try to make their characters entertaining. As this is one of those films where I thought all the performances were bad. There might have been one performance that was okay. But four of the five leading performances are horrible. And Blum's performance as the Harone is not something I liked. I just felt bored. He again played the character one note. He didn't feel like a hero type character. He just It just felt like another character in, a, in this film. Like every character in this film, they all felt like the same character pretty much. That's the problem with Dead and Beautiful. A lot of these characters in this film are just the same character. And when you have bad material, you're more likely to give a bad performance. And none of these actors even tried to even make their characters interesting. It's like they were just there collecting a paycheck and moving on to the next film. That's what it felt like with the actors in this film. As none of them really tried to make their characters interesting. And Blom's character was the worst of the three male performances in this film. By far. And easily the worst performance in this film. It's like none of these actors in this film tried to give a decent performance. As they just... It felt like they were just there to just work on a film. And that's it. I got more grievances with this film. Don't worry. As the last three awards are also from the Dead and Beautiful. As we are now on to Worst Director. Last year I had Glenn Danzig for Veronica. Yeah, that pretty much dominated the horror whammies last year. And this year Dead and Beautiful is dominating the horror whammies. As the 2021 horror whammy for Worst Director goes to... David Verbeek for Dead and Beautiful. This is the second award that David Verbeek has won in this year's horror whammies. His direction was flat out awful. I don't know what he was doing with this film. Seriously. This is a vampire film. This has to have action. It's a vampire film. But no, it felt like he was playing more towards the Twilight crowd. And literally, it showed in the performances because all the performances were dull. He doesn't give good direction to his cast. It's like his cast is sitting there looking bored on screen. I know they're supposed to be dark and brooding, but at least make them a little more lifelike. It's like they're all one-dimensional. And Verbeek does not do a good job in the way that he, he directs the performances. It's, it, it was horrible. It also helped that he doesn't even do a good job making sure that this film feels like a vampire film. This film felt like a bunch of spoiled millennials type of film. Not a vampire film. It may get there eventually, but for the most part, this really felt like he was focusing more on the millennials aspects Instead of what he's supposed to be doing 
is focusing on the horror aspects. Because Dead and Beautiful is supposed to be a horror film with vampires. What do vampires do? They bite people. Very rarely did I get to see that, if any, in this film. It was horrible. Seriously. There's no action. It's just brooding for like 98 minutes. Which leads me to the last two awards. Worst indie horror film? Worst horror film. Last year, Glenn Danzig's Veronica won both worst indie horror film and worst horror film. This year, the 2021 Horror Whammies for worst indie horror film and worst horror film go to Dead and Beautiful. This film was a train wreck from start to finish. By the time I ended up watching this film at its end, I kept saying to myself, why the hell did Shudder acquire this film? Seriously, this is better off acquired by Gravitas Ventures or other VOD companies. The fact that this film was on Shudder is a disgrace. Seriously, there are better independent horror films out there. And they decide to acquire Dead and Beautiful. Because this film had it all. Awful acting, worse directing, a really bad screenplay. And the fact it's a vampire film. How can you screw up a vampire film? I'm waiting on Glenn Danzig's vampire film to come out on VOD eventually. If it ever does. Because I bet you too when he's holding it back. Because it probably does set the vampire genre back 10 years. Dan and Beautiful did set the vampire genre back 10 years. This was not how you make a horror film. Or a vampire horror film. It felt boring. When a film or a vampire film is just... 90 plus minutes of brooding, it's going to end up being a boring film. Director and co-writer David Verbeek didn't even give a damn about putting any vampire action in this film. Sure, there may be a couple of action scenes sprinkled in, but that's not the focus of this film. The focus is a bunch of brooding rich kids who want to be vampires. And you know what? For good measure, he'll just throw in a twist ending. Why not? Because he can. This is not why I want to see my vampire films. First of all, it did not earn a twist ending. And second, this film is not bloody. This film is hardly any blood in this film. Maybe a scene or two. That's about it. I want my vampire films to be dark and intense and gothic. This was just... 98 minutes of brooding. This is why Dead and Beautiful is the worst film of 2021. This is why I don't understand Shudder sometimes when they acquire films, quite frankly. Because I would have not acquired this film if I was a marketing executive. Because there's not enough action. It's like the, the big selling point of this film is millennials. That's it. There's hardly any vampire aspects. And there's a twist with the vampire aspects at the end. Which makes no sense like anything else in this film. I'm done ranting about Dead and Beautiful. As this film dominates this year's horror whammies. 
with six wins. One short of Glenn Danzig's Veronica. I'll be back with the Horror Show Awards for 2021. Hey guys, this is Steven Christina. I'm the founder, owner, creator, and host of Super Retro Throwback Reviews. Are you looking for the best movie reviews, music reviews, video game reviews, and Comic-Con coverage all around? Well then look no further. Definitely check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on YouTube and our new audio podcast, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews audio files version 2.0 on the following media distributors. Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. Class is over, John. Time for something new and improved. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care fight real monsters. Welcome to the 2021 Horror Show Awards. Now, in the open, I forgot that this is the fourth year I've been doing this type of award show. Both the Horror Whammies and the Horror Show Awards are in its fourth year. And I've added new categories amongst the years. This year there's been no new categories in either the Horror Whammies or the Horror Show Awards. So let's get started. First award, Film that surprised me most in a good way. Last year, I chose host for that award. The 2021 Horror Show Award for film that surprised me in a good way is any of the Fear Street films released on Netflix. Now, going into 2021, I didn't even know about Fear Street coming out with a bunch of films. In like a three film series. And even if I knew about it. I probably would have not cared about it. Because I'm not familiar with the R.L. Stein Fear Street books. But after hearing some really good feedback on those films. I decided to check this film out for myself. And I have to tell you. Each of the films are very good. In fact... I'm looking at my list of the best of 2021, and all the Fear Street films are in the top 15 films of 2021. So, that really surprised me. I'm surprised that there was a lot of bloody violence in those films. I literally thought it was going to be toned down, but it wasn't. It was very good. Each of the films were different. And each of the films really had a unique intensity to them. 
It made it fun to watch. Plus, each of the films had a very good screenplay and very good direction from Lee Janet, who's most known for the 2014 indie horror film Honeymoon. She does a great job with the material here. This could have been a throwaway series, but she really takes the material seriously and really provides some of the best moments in horror in 2021. Too bad it's on Netflix, because I'd probably buy all three Blu-rays if this were to be released on Blu-ray. But since it's Netflix, it will not be released on Blu-ray. But definitely check out the Fear Street films. They're very good. Next up, Best Horror Documentary. This is a category that was added last year. Now, this is a category that happens when I see three or more horror documentaries this year. There will be a winner, as I've seen three or more. Last year, the winner for Best Horror Documentary was Scream Queen, My Nightmare on M Street. The 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Horror Documentary goes to Clapboard Jungle. Now, Clapboard Jungle is a great film. If you're going to get into filmmaking, this is a film that I think you need to see. This is a film that documents the life and career of Justin McConnell as this film takes place over a span of five years as he documents the highs and lows of trying to get his horror projects off the ground and onto screens. This is just such a great documentary. It's literally something you need to see if you're a filmmaker because... I've not seen a documentary where it really tells you about the filmmaking business. And this is just such a great documentary. If I was you, I'd try to go out of your way to find the Arrow Video Canadian Blu-ray release of this film. As this has a ton of extras from various horror genre people. Including the late George A. Romero, the late Larry Cohen. Guillermo del Toro, Lloyd Kaufman, Charles Bain, and more. This is just such a loaded DVD filled with interviews. I mean Blu-ray, by the way, not DVD. (laughs) But still, this is just such a really great film that people need to check out. It's also streaming on the Arrow Video service. This is just such a great film if you're a filmmaker and you want to get into filmmaking. Because... You get to see the struggles of what it's like to be an independent filmmaker for someone who's trying to get their project off the ground. The next award, Best Costumes. Last year, I chose the Mortuary Collection. The 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Costumes go to Censor. One of the things I liked about the costumes in Censor was the fact that it had an 80s vibe to them. The clothes looked like they came from the 80s. The film is supposed to take place in the 80s. Whoever did the costume design for this film really did a good job, especially with the main character of this film. As you cannot think about how sweet the character is. As you really... Comes off as a shy person. Someone who's more 
dressed like a librarian and would look like one of those people that would be censoring films in Britain during that time period. The costume of the main character helped really gave the main character its identity. And also, the last third of this film, there's really some very good 80s-like costumes that you probably would see on a 80s film set. It really fit in with this video nasty type of vibe, which most of the 80s films looked like. And I liked how they looked a certain way to really stress that you're on a film set of a 80s video nasty. And it really sets up this film very well for its final climax. As this film really does capture that time period very well. And the costumes are a big credit to it. Next up on the Horror Show Awards, Best Special Effects. Last year I chose Blood Machine. And the 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Special Effects goes to Malignant. Now the special effects in Malignant were just great. In fact, there were just maybe only like two films that I really considered for this. This and Halloween Kills. But I really have to go with Malignant here because this film has a ton of effects. Whether it's creature effects visual effects everything is done in a way that is done so well whether it's the scene in the police station where this is a ton of a gore effects that were perfectly executed to a gruesome surgery scene that really felt very gruesome you also have some very good visual effects as well i like how it transitioned from one place to another place i'm really trying not to go into too much spoilers about that part but those scenes are done in a way where it's just very effectively executed and that's what all the effects in this film were like i said the gore effects were great the police scene in the station towards the end of the film was just insane that literally is probably the most insane sequence i've seen all year between the jail scene and the main part of the police station. The gore effects really felt like I was watching an Italian horror film. And yes, it does have the gyro lighting too. But still, the gore effects in this film really gave the feel that it was an Italian horror film at times. Coupled with great visual effects. It was one of the main things I loved about Malignant. And it's a credit to their visual and special effects teams. Because also the creature effects were just perfect as well. That technical aspect was very well executed. And was the best I've seen all year. Best Cinematography. Last year, the award went to Color Out of Space. The 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Cinematography goes to Army of the Dead. Now, if you don't like the cinematography for Zack Schneider's Dawn of the Dead, you are not going to like the cinematography for Zack Schneider's Army of the Dead. As I thought the cinematography in this film was very good. It really helped create a chaotic look to the film, which was very needed. Because this is actually a zombie film, and... With all this action going on, it needed a chaotic look. And the way the 
film was shot, it really looked like it was fast. It was chaotic. It really moved at a very good pace. Now, normally, I don't like this type of cinematography. I like the traditional slow burn, let everything sink in. Because I can get nauseated sometimes with cinematography that's fast-paced. I didn't have a problem with Zack Schneider's cinematography here with Army of the Dead. Because this is what this film is supposed to be. An intense, fast-paced, two-and-a-half-hour film. It really helped move the film along. As this could have been a very long film. But the fast-paced cinematography in this film made the action intense. And it really helped move this film along. As this clearly could have been a complete disaster. As that was one of the questions that I was going into Zack Schneider's Army of the Dead. If that would be a complete disaster. It was not a complete disaster. It was a very fun film that knows to be intense and chaotic when it needs to be. If you love fast-paced action and fast-paced horror films... This is definitely a film you need to check out. It's very gory. And it just has a sense of chaos once they get to the Las Vegas until the end of the film. And that's what really makes the cinematography in this film work so well. In the best cinematography of 2021. Best editing. Last year, I chose Color Out of Space. The 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Editing goes to The Stylist. Now, this is a film that could have been literally edited. Seriously. If this was, like, some major studio or someone like Wild Eye releasing, this film would have probably been edited a little more. But this film is perfect the way it is. I know most of the films are 90 minutes. I know... Maybe this film could have been 90 minutes. But this film does not need to be 90 minutes. Because this is doing two things. First, it has enough action to keep everything moving along. As you have some really good kill scenes. Which are brutal. And I like how they're like edited very well. But I also liked how they edited the dramatic scenes as well. As I liked how they had a rhythm going with all the dramatic scenes in this film. As I was very interested in the performances. I really was also interested in what was going on. And it also helped flesh out the main character of the film. In the way that every time the main character was on screen. It was edited in a way that the focus was on her. When she was on screen. It was a very good edited film. It quite frankly really made the hour and 45 minutes run at a very good pace. The next category best film score. Last year it was Blood Machines. The 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Score goes to New York Ninja by Voyager 3. This was a tough one for Best Score because I really liked both the Halloween Kill score and the Malignant score. But what I think pushed New York Ninja over the top. And yes, I consider it a thriller slash horror film because you have a serial killer who radiates. 
a person. So, yes, I can kind of consider it as thriller slash horror slash topic for the podcast because it does have a killer that radiates. It has the voices of Linnea Quigley and Michael Berryman in it as well. So, New York Ninja is eligible for the Horror Show Awards. Now, this is a film that was shot back in 1984, but never was released. They never recovered the original audio for the film, so they literally had to redo the audio and had to do a new score, too. The score done by Voyager 3 was just great. It had a very grindhouse feel to it, which really made me enjoy the score a lot because it felt like a time capsule of a score where it's one of those films you would see in a grindhouse theater in the 80s. Plus, it's also re-listenable, too. It was just so great that I literally brought the CD soundtrack off their official website. Because I liked the score for this film. I think it's the best score. I like the synthesizers. Everything in this score really adds to New York Ninja. And makes it a very good score. Let's move on to best makeup. Last year I chose the Mortuary Collection. The 2021 Horror Show Award for best makeup goes to Malignant. The face of the creature just looked very terrifying. I liked how there was such precise gore makeup on the face of the creature as it really gave the creature a very scary look. And for a horror film that is based on a creature feature, you need your monster to have a menacing and malignant does that. As the the face of the creature is just one of the most frightening and ghastly things I've seen in a horror film in the last couple of years, literally. As it was all disfigured, it was literally what you want in a creature. Everything had a really bloody look to it, which really helped make the creature look so good. I also liked how they handled the makeup for the human characters as well, as they do a very good job fitting each of their character, at, especially the lead character, at different stages of this film. As it really gives the character more of a creepy, dreadful look. As the deeper the film goes, the more dreadful looking the main character looked. And I kind of liked that. I just liked how they did the makeup with the creature and the main in the film's lead, Annabella Walls, as it added to this film and the dread of the film. Best Screenplay. Last year, I chose The Wolf of Snow Hollow. The 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Screenplay goes to The Stylist. Now, this was a very good screenplay from director Jill Garvajizian, Eric Stoltzen, and Eric Havens. One of the things that I really liked about this screenplay was the fact that they were able to turn this short film into a feature-length film that has more impact than the original short film. Because I thought the short film was a great short film. But the writers here in this film do a great job adding more layers to the main character of the stylist. And it really made this a very interesting film. They also do a very good job 
going into the relationship between Claire and Olivia throughout the film. I also like the fact that they also do a very good job making sure that they have some very good kill scenes in this film to keep you interested with the film's material. The screenplay also has a very good shock ending. There have been a lot of shock endings this year, but this one is probably the best shock ending and probably most horrifying ending of the year, quite frankly. As literally, this is a film where this film just ends in complete shock and awe. That's what you want in a horror film. I also like how they also examine the main character's state of mind, whether it's through various cues or various mannerisms. It made this film a very interesting character study of a film. Plus, it also really made this a very entertaining horror film. As not all horror films have to be fun and gory. This horror film has a great story. This horror film has some great kill scenes. And this film has some great character development that really puts this screenplay over the top above all the horror screenplays in 2021. Let's get on to the acting awards. Best Supporting Actress. Last year I had Riki Lintone for The Wolf of Snow Hollow. This year, the 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Supporting Actress goes to Mandy Hansen for Malignant. Now, one of the things that I really liked about Mandy Hansen's performance in this film was the fact that she was able to have her performance be also on the level of Annabella Wallace's performance in the film. As she really does a great job with her character as she plays the stepsister in the film. She's also given a couple of moments to shine in this film as well, which really helped make her performance very good. I also like how she and Wallace's chemistry in this film was great as it really also added to this film a lot. She also makes sure that she also brings a level of charisma to her role as well as it really helped with her character and the fact that it helped with the relationship between the two main actresses in this film as she really does a very good job making sure that her character is good but doesn't take all the scenery and really add something to this film that is needed especially when most of the action is going on in the dramatic scenes of this film, as she really was able to shine in those scenes as well. It's a performance that really helped make this film good, as Malignant is one of those films where it has pretty much everything. A good screenplay, very good lead performances, great direction, everything. And Maddie Hansen's performance, I think, was one of those things that really stood out this year in a supporting actress role, as there were some really good ones this year, but hers stood out the most. We move on to Best Supporting Actor. Last year, I chose Joe McHale for Becky. This year, I chose Matthias Schweighufer for Army of the Dead. Now... Army of the Dead is great for two reasons. One, this film 
has great action. And the second one is, I just love Dieter. I just love that character so much. I'm a big fan of Dieter, the safe cracker. And it's like, he was like the best thing of this film. It got me to see the spinoff film, Army of Thieves, which is a non-horror film. But still, it was a good film. But I probably would not seen the spinoff film if I was not in so much fond with Dieter, the safe cracker. And one of the main reasons why I loved Dieter a lot was Shui Hufa's performance in Army of the Dead. He really does a great job bringing the humor in as the comedic guy in the group of thieves. Because literally, you need some humor to balance out what's to come. Because this film is not all intense action. You need a little comic relief. And Shrey Fufa does a great job in providing that relief. It's so much so that I want to see a sequel. Army of the Dead 2 with Dieter as the main character. It's perceived that he's dead. But we don't see his death on screen. I could be wrong. But I don't remember seeing his death on screen. So he might be coming back in the sequel. If there's a sequel to Army of the Dead. Because I really like Hoofer's performance. Here. And also in Army of Thieves as well. Definitely check that film out. I know it's not a horror film. But he does a very good job in a lead performance in Army of Thieves. Which is the prequel to Army of the Dead. But still, Schreckenhofer's performance is definitely one of my favorite performances of the year. And quite frankly, made Dieter probably my favorite character in horror all year. Moving on, Best Actress. Last year, I had Elizabeth Moss for The Invisible Man. The 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Actress goes to Najera. Townsend for the stylist. There were a lot of great female performances this year, but this was probably the easiest category to come up with a winner, as Najera Townsend was just great in this film. One of the things that really makes her performance very good is the fact that she really brings a lot of emotion into her character, as this is one of those tough leading roles where you have to try to balance everything out, whether it's the dramatic side, the psycho side. Najera does a very good job really making sure her character comes off as a character that is deeply troubled, deeply psychotic, deeply disturbed. It really also, I think, helped with her performance that the fact that she played this role before in the short film version of The Stylist. But I think she does a really great job here. I liked her chemistry with Brie Grant. I thought their scenes with each other were very good. Najera also makes sure that she really makes this character very disturbing. While also ma making sure that this character is not right in her head. It really made the character a very interesting character to watch. And she really helps 
elevate this film to a very great film, as the stylist literally is a great film. It's a film that I think people are sleeping on this year. I know, it was released by Arrow Video, but her performance was just great. I would love to see her in more horror films, and in more serious horror films. I really think she can be a very good genre actress, as she does a great job with her role in The Stylist. We move on to Best Actor. Last year for Best Actor, I had Clancy Brown for The Mortuary Collection. And the 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Actor goes to Gary Green for Fried Berry. I have to say, this is probably the most difficult category I had to choose this year. Because there weren't many great male performances. So I really had to really go look back and see what I've seen in 2021. And really think what really stood out for a lead performance. And I do remember Fried Berry standing out. Especially for that lead performance. I also gave some thought about Larry Fezzedin from Jacob's Wife. But Gary Green, hands down, probably is the best performance of the year. Because this was a complicated performance. Because this is one of those performances where you had to show a lot of range. Because in the beginning of this film, Barry is a complete you-know-what. Unlikable. Very dark-hearted. But when this character gets abducted by an alien... The character just completely changes, literally, to one of the most awkward characters that I've seen in the last five to ten years. Because this is mostly a silent performance. Sure, he'll, he utters dialogue too, but just the way he moves when he becomes this alien character is just very entertaining it makes this film very so out there so bizarre very eccentric that it really helps make the character a very entertaining character to watch and i think it also really helps this film a lot because a you get some of the film's most weirdest moments with the way this character is just moving along at one point literally dancing around with headphones flying, and acting all tripped out in other scenes as well, which is just completely bizarre. It's just the fact that he just moves in a very awkward way. It's just something that keeps you interested in that character and really keeps you into the story in Ryan Kruger's direction of the film. And Gary Green does a great job in doing that following Kruger's direction, and really making this character very eccentric, very out there, making Fried Barry a very entertaining, very so out there film from start to finish. As that performance really what made Fried Barry a very good film. And not many people would be able to pull that off. Best Director... Last year, I had Richard Stanley for Color Out of Space. The 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Director goes to James Wan for Malignant. Now, when I finished 
watching Malignant for the first time, the first thoughts was this was a horror masterpiece. And I also thought that this is the film that made James Wan a master of horror. If you look back at James Wan's horror career, a lot of his horror stuff has been supernatural films. Besides the first Saw film, I think every other horror film that James Wan has done is supernatural horror. But Malignant shows that James Wan can make any kind of horror film and be very successful. As this is the best James Wan film since Saw. I'll say it again. It is the best James Wan horror film since Saw. And a lot of it has to do with his direction. He does a very great job making sure that this film has an intense pace from start to finish. This was one of those films when I rewatched it. Loved it even more. And the fact that this movie moves by for almost a two-hour runtime, which is very good. One, make sure that the action has this in-your-face, gory feel to it. It's something I have not seen in a major horror film in quite a while, with the exception of Halloween Kills, obviously. But, to do that effectively, to make sure that the performances are great... And to make sure everything had a creepy feel to it. There's a lot of elements that goes into directing. And James Wan really makes sure he has everything down. The action. The performances. The shots that he needs. Everything felt like one of those films where I could say this was such a great film. And coming from a guy who's only directed maybe one gore fest, which is the first Saw film, it's just amazing. A lot of people might know James Wan from the Conjuring films and Insidious, but Malignant is a showcase of what James Wan can do whenever James Wan decides to go outside the supernatural horror and go into more of the extreme type of horror. Because this felt like an extreme horror film for a studio film, quite frankly. After looking at his body of work since the first soft film in which he came onto the scene, yes, he had the awful Dead Silence. You take Dead Silence away, he has a great horror career. Not all directors can say all their films are good. There's some really bad ones. James Wan's only had, like, one bad film in his career, and that's Dead Silence. But Malignant finally ushers him as a master of horror. He deserves to be in the upper echelon with names like John Carpenter, Wes Craven, George A. Romero, those guys. Because he has done such a lot of films in this genre, and a lot of them are... Very good. And Malignant really truly signifies James Wan as a master of horror. We are now on to best independent horror film. We're at the big ones. 
Last year, I chose The Wolf of Snow Hollow as the best independent horror film. The 2021 Horror Show Award for Best Independent Horror Film goes to The Stylist. This film is such a great film. I said it earlier a couple awards ago. This is a very underrated horror film and very underrated and very underseen in 2021. This film has great direction from Jill Garvajisian. She does a very good job making sure this film has an intense and psychotic feel to it. Whether it's the way she approaches the screenplay as one of the three co-writers of the screenplay. Whether it's the way she directs the scenes. Directs the kill scenes. As some of the kill scenes are very gory in this film. Including the final shots of this film. is just one of the most horrific shots of 2021. She also really does a very good job making sure... That this film also has a story that doesn't get drowned out by the brutal violence in the film. She also directs her cast very well. As both Townsend and Grant had great chemistry with each other. I liked how she made sure that there was chemistry between those two actresses. As those two actresses were the main points of this film. If those performances didn't work, then this film probably would have been in trouble, but it didn't, as it just was just great. There's some great shock and awe moments. It's just a great film. The Stylist is one of those films where you get bloody moments, great acting, and a very good story. It has all the key ingredients of a great horror film. I wish more horror films focused more on those aspects, but I highly recommend you try and go out of your way to find the stylist as this is such a great horror film and you will be shocked by its ending, guaranteed. We have one category left. Best Horror Film. That will take place next episode. I'll talk more about that next. They're coming to get you, Barbara. This is Carrie. This is Billy. This is Mr. Poe. And we are from a podcast from beneath. You can catch us every Wednesday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You'll find Anthony T's Power and Wrestling Show on these social media platforms. On Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher app at Amputees Power and Wrestling, and on Twitter at Amputees Power. You'll find new episodes on DocDiscussions.com, major podcast providers, and YouTube. Anthony T. watching this episode? Well, since the next couple episodes are best of 2021 episodes, I figured I'll go back and review a couple of films that I missed 
during 2021. And the first film is The Night House. Before I get to The Night House thoughts, the film is directed by David Bruckner, and the screenwriters for this film are Ben Collins and Luke Pietrowski. Now, you're wondering why I announced all those three names in this. It's all because those three people are involved with the upcoming Hellraiser film. Not the TV series that's in development, but the Hellraiser feature film. So, if anybody wants to get a chance to see what the Hellraiser reboot might be like. A lot of people involved with this film are also working on that Hellraiser reboot film. The film, not the TV series, everyone. And yes, I was shocked when I found out that those same three people that did this film are doing the Hellraiser reboot film. So it was very good to at least know what they can do. Because now I don't have to be worried. Because I'm kind of worried about the Hellraiser reboot, quite frankly. Both the TV series and the film. But the film, some of it's gone after seeing The Night House. Because this was such a very good film from start to finish. One of the main reasons why this film was very good was David Bruckner's directing. David Bruckner does a very good job making sure he keeps... Everything moving. He does a great job with the way he approaches the jump scares in his direction. He also does a very good job with the way he directs his cast here. As this is a very good cast here. As Bruckner does a very good job making sure he gets the performances. And really makes sure that the acting is very good. This film has a couple of really good performances. Including Rebecca Hall's performance in the lead. And veteran character actor Von D. Curtis Hall as the next door neighbor. This was just such a great film. It brought a lot of tension. It brought a lot of suspense. And the screenplay by Ben Collins and Lucas Prochowski also does a very good job. With really telling a very haunting story. As this is one of those films that keeps you guessing for most of it. Is this something a supernatural film? Is this a psychological horror film? Is this a murder mystery film? It just keeps you guessing to what is going on in this film. And it's credit to the screenplay. And it's a credit to the direction as well. Because when you're kept guessing... What is going on in this film? You're more and more interested, considering that most of this film is just Rebecca Hall by herself. And that's also a testament to her acting abilities as well. Other things that I liked about this screenplay, building the tension with some of the jump scares, some of the creepy elements of this film work so well. The writers do a very good job making sure... Those are balanced out. It keeps you on edge. This is a great psychological slash supernatural horror film. And it's open to interpretation too. Because that's the kind of feeling I got at times. Especially towards the end of this film. You just don't know. This film also has very good cinematography. As well as it really to this film 
Especially when the scene's at night. As it really gave a dark, creepy feel to it. The scene at the end of the film with the lighting and everything. And the way it was shot was shot very well. I'm not going to go into that scene. Because it's kind of the climactic scene of the film. So if you've seen the film and you've seen the lighting in, in that scene. You know what I'm talking about. This is just a very good film. And if you're skittish about the upcoming Hellraiser reboot film, don't be. Because it looks like it's incompetent hands. Because Bruckner is a very good director. Collinson Petrowski wrote a very good screenplay with The Night House. And the fact that those three are doing the Hellraiser film that's going to be out on Hulu this year really... Gives me more confidence about that upcoming Hellraiser film. Because I had no confidence in that Hellraiser film. But the fact that those three are involved. And the fact that The Night House is such a great film. If this film was seen last year. This would have probably been in my top ten easily. It's just great execution all around. So if you want a preview of what the upcoming Hellraiser film might feel like in terms of tone i really highly recommend you see the night house because that's such a great film and i definitely regretted not seeing this film in 2021 well that wraps up part one of the best of 2021 next episode i will be Doing the top 10 films of 2021, I will have Kevin Cook from Wicked Horror Show joining me as we talk about the 10 top horror films of 2021. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave a 5-star rating if you really love this podcast. I want to thank you again for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling and support indie horror.